people talk about this being the golden age of content right now in general. There's so much content out there in the world, um, whether that's like video, film, television content or reading content, comics, audio, like everything. There's just so much of it out there proliferating in ways that it never has to this degree. Welcome to Transform It Forward, the podcast that gives you an inside look into the before and after some of the world's most effective transformation processes. I'm your host, Paul French. No matter how advanced our technology and connections become, there will always be a fundamental human need for powerful storytelling. In this episode, we explore how technology is merging with the art of storytelling to create a completely new landscape for the publishing world. Today, we're joined by Seema Lakani, Chief Product Officer at Wattpad. Wattpad is a user-generated online platform where readers and writers come together to create and consume stories. The platform was recently acquired by a large publisher, which has opened up even more possibilities for the company to continue innovating. During our discussion, Seema and I covered everything from the creator economy to why we're living in a golden age of content. Fascinating stuff. Enjoy the episode. Seema, thanks for joining me today. Awesome. Excited to be here. Everyone has a story to tell. And it seems Wattpad was an example of a 15-year-old overnight success, right? Over a long period of time, it started to, to be the place where people wanted to tell those stories. Sort of walk me through a little bit of how it started and where it is today. Yeah, so Wattpad today, I mean, global entertainment company, we've got over 90 million people around the world uh, coming onto our platform every month to read and, and share their own stories, everything from romance to science fiction and everything in between. But like you said, uh, these things pretty much always never truly happen overnight. WAPA started back in 2006, uh, very early days of mobile. This was a bit on the pre-smartphone era. Uh, but our founders, Alan and Ivan, had the foresight that people were going to change their reading habits and their writing habits, and cell phones were going to play a role in this. And so... Uh, had the sort of foresight to, to sort of start with this very simple concept of people reading on their phones. And I don't know that they would have predicted that it got to where it did in terms of actually changing the nature and shifting how people read and what people read and what people are writing and who's becoming a successful writer and all of these interesting things that have emerged as a result of the company, the user-generated content and social and all of the sort of technology trends that, that happened in the last 15 years uh, that, that Wattpad was very much a part of. And it's a fascinating thing. And I'm going to jump all over the place because it's such an amazing concept. To me, old school publishing was a lot like social today, is that you clicked like on something and then it fed you a steady stream of the exact same thing. And over time, you were walking down this tunnel where you couldn't get to anything other than the nine things that you had sort of passionately been interested in at the beginning, right? And, and so this kind of gives people the ability to take way, way more types of content and way more interesting things and present that to the universe as opposed to just exactly what Simon and Schuster might want you to read. Oh, entirely. I mean, we couldn't have imagined the kinds of genres and subgenres and uh, types of content that people were creating and thinking about and where imaginations can take you. I mean, storytelling is so broad. It's existed since the beginning of humanity. We've been telling stories to each other. And so the idea that they were going to continue to fit into sort of these standard boxes of the classic genres people are expecting of, you know, it's it's either literary or it's mystery or it's romance or it's whatever it might be. We've seen that change dramatically. People are very creative. They're mixing and matching. They're, they're playing out stories that we haven't really heard as much before. And I think that's something that is really cool and that the internet's opened up in general around 
let's not just tell the same things over and over again. Let's find really interesting new stories. Let's open up to new voices and let's not have the gatekeeper decide what everyone is going to like. Let's let people decide. As the, as the head of product, there's a variety of different customers, in quotes, that uh, you have to think about, it would seem to me. You have to think about the folks who are creating the stories, right? And how do you make it easy for them to continue to do it? And, and while everyone thinks that they've got a novel in them, I can't even imagine the number of people that write one chapter and then move on. So you've got mm-hmm. that piece. You've got the the people who are reading it and the experience that you want to deliver on the device. And, and with the myriad alternatives that are out there for content today, I mean, goodness on your phone. You know, just within Apple News, you could you could be lost for days at a time. You've got the distribution and the engagement side of things of of what, where that might go over time and and how you might surface the right things. And I think probably the most fascinating thing is what you guys are doing in terms of you know an IP factory. I think one journalist called it. So I don't know. Pick a path and let's just kind of walk <laughs> down the way you think about um, from a product perspective, and then you know how it's taking and, and transforming since that's what the podcast is about the experience for each of those constituents. Yeah. So I think that the common thread across all of those constituents is probably this concept of connection and belonging. And so as a product person, I often think in terms of user journeys. So to what what you were describing, I would kind of break it into three journeys we're talking about here. One is the reader journey of finding a story and getting immersed in it and escaping into it and becoming a fan and becoming really engaged. From, from a writer perspective, that journey can look like, hey, maybe I want to dabble. Maybe I've been inspired by things I'm reading. Maybe I want to try my hand at this to, oh, wow, this is working. I'm getting some reactions. People are liking this all the way through to building a successful career as a writer. And then the, the third journey is, I'd say, the journey of the story. Um, what Where a story can go from just this little kernel of an idea in someone's brain to this thing that might not even just be about the author's imagination, but actually a collective Um, input of a variety of people, including the audience, that evolves and that story takes on a life of its own and becomes, in some cases, some IP can become so big that it's, you know, it has a whole fandom around it. It has a whole universe around it that people can get excited about and build their own kind of fan fiction and stories and subplots and all of that around and become and feel very much a part of. And we've all had versions of that in the stories that we all become obsessed and excited about in the world you know, whether that's like the Marvel universe, the Star Wars stuff, whatever people are into, but like, there's so much you can do with one, one story and where it can take you. So for me, from my product perspective, I I think a lot about, I mean, stories are very human nature. We tell these things to, we tell stories to each other, to feel connected to each other, to feel part of something bigger than ourselves and to, to basically create these characters and these um, concepts that we can relate to in different ways. And so I think ultimately that's the thread that, that connects all of this, this sort of reader end, writer end, and, and the, the IP itself going on to become something that can be you know, hugely um, life-changing and world-changing. Obviously, that's the place where you really feel like you could change the world in the broader sense, but, but none of that is available unless you have those two primary journeys be really, really excellent. Right. I mean, you, you have to make it really easy to curate the content and make it available so people will want to engage with it. And you have to make it really easy and accessible for someone to sit down and start, you know, banging on the computer or banging on their smartphone or whatever. So where do you start? You know, that day in the life approach of, of the, that constituents, where do you start and, and how do you look at um, what it's going to take to take, you know, an interesting view of what the next 15 or 20 years looks like for Wattpad? Yeah. So for me, I I think of what differentiates Wattpad in the market. I think of 
what is it about Wattpad and how we tell stories and how we enable the writer and the reader to connect around that story that is something that people can't get elsewhere? And then how do we continue to build on that and build on that and build on that so that it becomes a place that really enables a way of connection around stories that no other place can do? So if you think about traditional books, it's a relatively flat experience. It's a relatively one-way experience. Now, it's still exciting. You can still get immersed in a world. You can still feel really connected to the characters, which is great. But it's it's a very isolating activity. As a reader, you're generally reading by yourself. As a writer, you're generally um, spending a lot of hours working on your own. Even if you do have an editor and, and a few people supporting you, it can be an incredibly isolating activity before you really get any feedback. Me personally, I like to relate it to, I'm, I'm a bit of a theater performer, uh, actor, director. I do a lot of that on, I think there's something really powerful about live performance because you get that immediate instant feedback from the audience. You can hear the laugh or the gasp or whatever it is that you're trying to evoke out of the audience. And for, for when I look at Wattpad and how we've done it differently than a lot of what exists out in the market, it's that we've enabled this degree of connection. So Uh, One of the features we have that's an incredibly popular feature on the platform is inline comments. So as you're reading a book, uh, you will get to a specific moment and you'll suddenly see a whole bunch of people commented on a specific sentence in the story. Um, And you know something big is about to happen when you see that. And everyone's maybe freaking out about the plot twist that was just happened or are shocked or are unhappy that that those two characters got together or whatever it might be. And that's the kind of feedback from both a writer lens and from a reader lens. It's that experience of other people are feeling this too. Um, we're all in this together that you don't generally get uh, in, in books or even in a lot of forms of storytelling out there. And so when I think about, you know, how we need to continue to develop the product and how we've been successful to date with our product, it's been a lot of those little moments and really understanding the emotional journey that people are going on as they read a story or they write a story. And therefore how... They are thinking about what they, you know, how we actually make that experience even better and more immersive and more exciting for them as they go through that. Um, and that, and that's all about making it really easy to tell the story, to feel that reaction. Maybe someone's only just trying their hand at it. They're a couple chapters in, but the fact that they get that comment on that joke they didn't know if anyone would get, that's the kind of thing that keeps you going because it's like, hey, there's somebody out there that's actually seeing this. That's why any artist creates art is to actually have it be seen, have someone react to it in some way. And so by being able to really tap into those those aspects of storytelling, we're able to really speak to the underlying human need we all have around it. So do you feel yourself constrained in storytelling to just the written word? Or will it evolve over time to... Multimedia is kind of an old school, I'm really old, so an old school way to describe that. But but the idea of being able to write something and then have it, you know, in line shift over and and turn into a video or turn into a song or, or, or a different type of performance so that people can really take advantage of that feedback and and continue to evolve the story. Yeah, we we very much are looking beyond just reading and writing. So our our vision statement as Wattpad is to entertain and connect the world through stories. So while we're very much known for reading and writing, and that's obviously our core, our core product. Uh, we are very actively exploring a lot of other forms of storytelling and looking at what technology is opening up for us. So I actually, in, outside of my chief product officer role, I also wear another hat of uh, GM of our ventures division, which effectively looks at these kinds of new emerging technologies and spaces and looks to explore what are the ways. We, we've been very good at social. We've been really good at connection, at um, user-generated content, 
how do we take those things that we're really good at and think about what's happening next in audio or in um, AR or VR or all kinds of different formats and how people are thinking interactive and gaming. All of these have storytelling elements to them. And there's a lot of really interesting innovation happening across all of those spaces. And so how are we helping the next generation of of storytellers, of creators, um, and their consumers actually leverage that and open up a whole new world of, of storytellers, right? Like traditionally, you would have said very few people are truly writers in this world, but there's a lot more now because of technology and because it's opened it up. Um, how much broader could that get when you when anyone can just be a storyteller through just telling it through through um, audio or through video or through all these different other ways? When you think about the the reader's approach, do you find that, or, or let, let me ask it this way, what's what sort of distribution curve does it look like in terms of what's been published versus what's been read? Is it a small subset of people that, that get many things read deeply, or is it a case where there's a there's a much thinner curve where lots and lots of things get touched at a time? Yeah. So, like any user generated platform, there's definitely a concentration where the there are stories that are going to be more popular than the, than most, and so there's going to be sort of a concentration of reading that happens around a subset of stories. That said, most people are typically surprised when they start to dive into the numbers at how distributed it actually is. So even though there's 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 millions and millions of stories, sure, there's maybe only hundreds of thousands that are being read a lot, but hundreds of thousands is still a lot. And so when you think about the distribution curve here, it's it's actually far more, I think, distributed than most people would assume, which is what I think allows for a lot of these really interesting new emerging niches to, to, to happen. It's a, it's a fascinating concept. So I remember years and years ago when Pandora first started and they, it was called, it was born from the Music Genome Project mm-hmm. where they'd figured out how to come up with some replicable things to decide what I might like and what I might not. And it was fabulous. And so it sounds like what you guys are trying to do in terms of the, the IP review and promotion side of the business. Um, talk a little bit about how, how you've been able to come to a point where you can say, if you like this, you might like this, but at scale that can then surface for this next generation of content creators? Yeah, I mean, any sort of large user-generated platform like this requires algorithms to, to run at scale. And so for us, it's been an investment in data fairly early on of how do we start to understand based on an individual's action and behaviors and how much they've read any given story and what patterns we can determine in terms of other people who like those stories and what they like to read and so on and start to do a lot of personalized recommendations around what we think that they're going to like the most, um, which is pretty typical in, in a content-scaled platform like ours. But we're continually evolving. So I'd say this is an area of major investment and continues to be a major investment area for us is constantly trying to understand the content, trying to be able to better recommend investing in machine learning models that actually can tell us a lot more about what the story is about. When there's millions of stories, there's obviously not individuals reading through every single one and and, um, manually trying to determine this. It's done a lot more through the algorithms. And so it's a lot of investment in natural language processing and understanding what our content's about and understanding the behaviors that we're seeing and the patterns of behaviors and trying to get better at that because people's tastes change. Things aren't always as simple as like, okay, well, they only read this genre and and let's just keep giving them this genre. Um, And we also want to make sure we're getting people out of filter bubbles. We're considering everything from like, how do we actually... Um, how do we actually raise up voices that are not typically represented well? And how do we get authors like BIPOC authors more represented on the platform? So there's kind of this continuous improvement around this area. 
do you are, have you seen the the type of persona change over time, or is it the same persona? You're just getting better at segmentation. Uh, a bit of both. A bit of both. Uh, in that. Habits are constantly changing. The kinds of genres and the kinds of things that people are interested in are evolving um, at all times. There's sometimes, you know, people are really into vampires and then sometimes the vampires are not as popular. I was happy to see that one move on, by the way. <laughs> I mean, mermaids are in, so there's that. Um, yeah, you never know, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of um, how we think, a lot of it's very personalized. A lot of how we do, a lot of this is much more as personalized as opposed to big user segments. It just tastes are so unique when it comes to this type of thing and how people think and read it. We've noticed is just very divergent. You know, obviously you were hugely valuable to a company that bought you a year ago because you'll be able to figure out how to create the right content for the people that want to consume it in a particular segment better than Netflix spending, you know, tens of billions of dollars every single a month trying to, or a year rather, uh, trying to create something that might have the same sort of engagement as Stranger Things and, the, and your ability to checkpoint those things periodic. Talk a little bit about how you're able to almost create these big user testing groups through the process to decide what might be more consumable and then how it might get distributed. Yeah, this is the part that actually I think fuels our IP factory in so many ways. So there's millions of people writing on our platform any given month, and there's there's so many stories out there. And for us, it's about being able to look at the data of what is actually popular and to whom, and is it growing or is it shrinking, and being able to see that level of data for relatively low cost. We're not obviously spending huge budgets on, on investing in each individual story. This is people writing because they're excited to write on the platform. But through the data, through the behavioral data we can see of people consuming these stories, it actually allows us to have a better sense of which of these stories has an opportunity to become a TV show or a movie or um, or even a published book and is worth the investment to take it to that next level with a higher degree of certainty that there will be a decent return because there's a built-in audience, because there's a higher predictability of understanding who the market is for that particular piece of content. This is the kind of data that was never historically available to entertainment industry or publishing industry, other than just looking at what's done well in the past, which usually isn't actually a great reflection, especially with cultural zeitgeist type movements of what's going to come next. And so... Being able to to look at the data and actually see that the story is growing and and this is who's consuming it and and this is why that's really interesting and really different and especially that the fact that those stories are so broad and that anyone could have written them and they could completely break the rules of that traditional genre or trope and you can still see them working incredibly well is what I think allows us to then be able to say okay this is this story is is worth taking to a television show and this likelihood of success and the likelihood of finding the audience is going to be much higher than kind of just working in the traditional pulling off of a pile and letting kind of the, the few people decide. Do you worry that it that it will it will create a different sort of cookie cutter? Hey, go bring me one that's just like that and and they will struggle. What we've heard over you know, doing this for a few years is it's all about culture and it's all about change management. And when you think of big studios and you think of big publishing houses, they don't typically change very much and the cultures are very static. So are you, are you worried that you're going to create this thing that is, that is generating insights that is really can change the consumption habits or the, or or the availability of content? And someone's going to say, yeah, but that's not our stuff. I mean, yes and no, in the sense that for sure, that that's something that all traditional industries will always face resistance to change. One of the things we started doing is actually 
becoming our own publisher and starting to actually produce our own content. And so that enables us to actually skip having to sell, you know, a traditional industry on it all the time and actually accelerate our own process. Because if we believe in this content enough, why shouldn't we put our own money against it and actually sort of prove it out in the industry? So that's been our approach to to being able to sort of try to change things that don't always change easily. It could seem it could be a huge competitive advantage if you have those sorts of insights to be able to actually start that process and then turn around and sell it as a pilot or sell it as a a series or whatever. Is that kind of directionally what you guys are thinking? Yeah, we we basically are, are doing some of our own development now of of some of our content to turn it into scripts that that are and attach producers and do all of the rest of it. So we're actually getting much deeper and deeper into the entertainment and space. And we actually launched our own publishing line a couple a few years ago now. Um, so we publish our own books as well. So it's it's sort of that's been part of what's allowing us to kind of vertically integrate a little bit more um, in that space and accelerate the process a little bit more and then give us even more data points. So so it's kind of like doesn't preclude us from also working with great partners in the space as well. Yeah, a lot of a big future. How have things changed since the acquisition last year? I mean, now we're we're kind of bigger and we have more interesting sort of partnerships to explore inside of our own company. So uh, Naver acquired us about a year ago and uh, they they have a property, a really interesting property called Webtoon, which is similar to Wattpad in a lot of ways, but is web comics instead of books. And so it's it's a lot of visuals and it's a lot of, you know, really fantastical, uh, you know, comic stories across all genres as well. And so where I think the really interesting opportunities for us now is that it's not just, we're not just starting from text. We also have comics and visual content. And so there's some really interesting synergies, but there's also some opportunities for us to kind of expand in a much bigger way, in a much bolder way with kind of the backing of Naver and Webtoon in particular. So how do you think, so, you know, two, two very distinctive types of content. How do you see the consumption of content changing over the course of the next three to five years? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a fascinating one. I mean, there is so much, I don't know, We uh, people talk about this being the golden age of content right now in general. There's so much content out there in the world, um, whether that's like video, film, television content, or reading content, comics, audio, like everything. There's just so much of it out there proliferating in ways that it never has to this degree, which is really great in terms of giving people more options and giving people more opportunities. Uh, I think some of the most interesting changes that are happening in this space are probably around how the creator economy is evolving as a result of this, where historically, a lot of the the way this worked in the early days of sort of Web2 internet was that the platforms held all the control because through the algorithms, they decided what was going to appear and what wasn't. And it was a lot of people creating their work for free, which is totally fair. And that's the motivation for a lot of people. Now things are kind of shifting where there are certain creators who have made huge successes of themselves. And this is across all content forms. Uh, And as a result, seeing that they want to actually own their own businesses and their own sort of careers in a way that's different and less dependent on the platform. And so you're starting to see the emergence of like, you know, Patreon or Substack or models like that, where there is a lot more ability for the creator to kind of navigate and own their own futures and success and their own audiences and determine it in the way that makes sense for them. And I think that's a fascinating shift in sort of the platform layer, which does serve a really important role in helping content get discovered through to how people monetize it and how they manage their careers around it. And that kind of evolution happening across 
like I said, all forms of content creation, I think in particular on the, the user-generated side. But it's it's a fascinating view of kind of that shift, I think, in power dynamics, but also there's so much competition. There's so many content creators out there. So it's it's a really interesting dynamic. I'm not sure exactly where it will go, but I do believe that we will see a lot more um, interesting business models around how content creators are making money. I think we'll see a lot more interesting um, ways for content creators and audiences to engage directly with each other. Uh, those are some of the things I can see at least in the next few years. Yeah, there's some there's some incredible analogs around that. If people who are, I mean, look at LeBron James and and took his his TV show off HBO and put it on YouTube because he wanted more control and he wanted you know less less restrictions and the Mr. Beasts of the world who are looking at all these other potential revenue streams because he's created this really personal relationship with with his consumers. And obviously those are YouTube centric and there's a variety of others. But so where is Web3 on your roadmap? I think a lot about Web3. Actually, Web3 is the thing that's probably taking up a good chunk of my my mind space right now. Web3 and creator economy, I do think go very hand in hand. So when I think uh, in that, in the ventures group that I mentioned, we are actively exploring a lot of things within Web3 right now. And mostly in the context of if it is truly the disruptive Factor and we really are moving from you know Web two to Web three in an era um, shift that's happening. There's all kinds of things that are going to change around how people consider and think about ownership of content, but also ownership of community and, and the role that community plays. For me, especially being you know from Wattpad, where connection and community are such a big part of what makes us successful. I look at what some of the core themes and dynamics of Web three are, and I think community is one of those threads that's really important. Where Web3 operates with this community, sort of the data is shared and accessible to all. And so the community can operate as a group to decide what to do with it. And I think that's a very interesting dynamic around content and fandom and how people want to approach that and how people want to approach who really owns the story, how can other people participate in it and actually potentially be rewarded for that participation in a variety of ways. Um, And how can that be done in a way that really democratizes content consumption and creation even further, which I think opens up all kinds of opportunities. So I'm relatively bullish on Web3 in terms of changing things. The timeline is a little bit TBD. I don't know exactly how long it will take. Uh, I think it's got, there's there's definitely some some sketchy things happening in that space for, for sure. For sure, yeah, for sure. Um, and so we have to be really careful about a lot of that and how, and how different people are going to react to it and who kind of who is dominating that space right now also i think speaks to a very specific demographic that can have implications as well if we don't really diversify that well it's all, it's really interesting that you know you talk about community i completely agree and but the challenge it seems is is while individuals make up a community communities are often owned by the platforms and so you almost you have this circular route where you look at what Anderson Horowitz is doing in terms of investing in these things. And, and, um, and you're just creating a different kind of platform with a different sort of set of challenges. And while there may be some distributed availability of data and ownership and money may be flowing over Ethereum or whatever the case may be, ultimately what you created was the next generation platform. So I think that there's a lot of wide open uh, choices that have to be made uh, by really smart people like you over the course of the next few years. It's exciting for sure. I agree. I think that there's, I don't think that it's going to, community is going to be so intensive that it dismantles like structures of capitalism or anything, which I know some sure, people are, yeah. are kind of talking about. But I I do believe that it, it opens up a completely new set of companies and a new set of opportunities um, for people to find um, a way to add value in that system. Because 
decentralization obviously being the key theme of Web3 doesn't mean everything is decentralized. It means the data is decentralized. Um, What new business opportunities exist for a player to actually do something interesting with that data and convey it in a specific way that solves a specific problem for a user group, that's where business opportunity will lie, um, is being able to do that better than others. And, uh, And that's still centralized. The data just is decentralized. So you, you've you been incredibly generous with your time today. I, I always end with the same question, which is when the day is over and you have revolu- revolutionized Web3, um, what do you like to listen to? Ooh, so this feels so not typical for my generation, but I am a big Paul Simon fan. Uh, I just find his stuff makes me happy and uh, brings me good memories. So that's my that's my end of day fun thing to listen to. Well, you got a a wide-ranging set of choices if you're a Paul Simon fan. Hopefully this weekend you will be feeling groovy. (laughs) And uh, I really thank you for your time today. And I wish you and your team all the best. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone has a story. And after talking with Seema, I realized that everyone can be a publisher too. Here are today's key takeaways. First, the advent of the internet has democratized storytelling. The story of Wattpad's creation and rise to prominence is the perfect example of how the digital revolution has leveled the playing field for both readers and writers, ushering in a new era of publishing. As Seema noted, platforms like Wattpad are putting an end to the gatekeeping of literature by making it simpler than ever for people to tell their own unique stories online, especially when they don't fit specific genre or category. Second, Seema juggles a variety of different products, customers, and experiences. However, she noted that the one common thread underlying everything they do is the concept of connection and belonging. By using the idea of community and connection as their North Star, it guides them through their journey. And this focus has successfully converted both writers and readers into devoted users. Third, historically, the act of reading and writing has been a solitary, somewhat lonely experience. But by creating a platform that's predicated on concepts of social connection, instant feedback and a communal experience, their platform approach has fundamentally changed the nature of telling and consuming stories. Fourth, storytelling can take several different forms, especially in the digital age. And although they are known for being an online reading and writing platform, Wattpad remains flexible in its approach by embracing new technologies. Seema explained that the company is currently working on expanding its offering and exploring new ways of championing the age-old act of storytelling. This will ultimately help them stay fresh and relevant. Fifth, Seema mentioned that in many ways, we are currently living in the golden age of content. With the rise of user-generated platforms, creators are empowered to take full control of their own creations. And who knows where this goes with the advent of Web3. In the future, we'll likely see this trend better democratize the presentation of a variety of forms of art. Thanks for listening to Transform It Forward, the podcast that gives you an inside look at some of the world's most effective transformation processes. If you like this episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Paul French, and I look forward to being with you next time. Transform It Forward is brought to you by Axway, who believes that in order to create the most value for customers, partners, and employees, you need to open everything by securely integrating and moving data across a complex world of old and new technologies.